welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 193. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I am fresh off of returning from QuadCon. This is a series of small little uh, conventions that they do in my area, and I went to one of them yesterday, that being Saturday about a week before you're hearing this, and talked about my books in St. Nick of Time and Misery Banana, which you can order wherever you like to order books. I also talked a little bit about this podcast, of course, and my other show. It's Podcast Charlie Brown. Met a lot of nice people, uh, sold some books, and uh, and had a good time. QuadCon is, well, I, I mean, it's a mini, well, not mini so much. It's a, it's a moderate-sized comic book convention. They have a lot of comics. I think it originated primarily with comics, but it has branched out. There are collectibles, certainly. So a lot of Star Trek stuff yesterday, a lot of Star Wars stuff. Guy tried to sell me a Millennium Falcon, the 1979 Tenor Millennium Falcon that went with the three and three quarter inch action figures that came out, you know, as tie in, of course, with the iconic original movies. I had the Millennium Falcon as a kid. It, honest to God, disappeared at some point during my childhood. Um, for a while, I suspected it got thrown out for some reason when Dad was cleaning the basement. But then as I thought about it more, I realized that I think probably the kid down the street stole it. I don't know that, but that's my suspicion. Uh, he was kind of a shady character. But again, I don't know that. And if it was stolen, again, I'm not saying it was, but if it was, that would sort of be fitting, right, for the Millennium Falcon. It seems to be frequently stolen or lost in gambling uh, bets, that kind of thing. So if my Millennium Falcon was stolen, it would be fitting. And it would be kind of cool if the Millennium Falcon I was looking at yesterday was in fact mine from when I was a kid. I don't know that either. It was priced at 200 bucks, which I was not going to pay. Uh, the guy saw me looking at it and of course said, well, you know, if you want to pick that up, I'd knock it down to 180 uh, I wasn't going to pay that either, so I didn't buy it. I did pick up, well, no, I, I, correction, I did not actually pick up any Atari games. There were a few. Um, there's one guy that I see at all these events who had, uh, actually, who basically had my childhood in his booth. He had um, some Star Trek figures, which I had as a kid. Um, he had a few that I didn't have to, to complete the set, but I, I again, I didn't want to spend the money. Um, he had some Star Wars stuff. He had, he had a lot of G.I. Joe stuff. I was never really into G.I. Joe, but I had a few of those, but I was never that crazy about it. But he had a few Atari games in box. He had a few loose carts, but they're all the, the standard carts that everybody has, so I didn't pick those up. He had a, a, a number of Atari in-box games I've bought from him before. He had a weird number of Intellivision games in box, and I've bought from him before uh, at other events. Uh, I've bought at least a few from him, because, of course, I do Intellivision Month every summer. Uh, which excites some of you and repulses some of you. I, I understand that. But that's kind of life. So, so I kind of looked him over. I thought about getting uh, for the Intellivision Snafu, which I gather is basically surround for the Intellivision. And then there was another one called Vectron, which I wasn't really familiar with. Uh, I kind of looked it up on uh, the Google a little bit, and my impression of it was that it's people are intrigued by Vectron, but just as much, if not more, annoyed by it. Uh, apparently it's really complicated. It's a really hard game to play. Um, so I, I don't thought about it. I thought, well, do I want to spend 10 bucks? I guess 10 bucks for a, an in-box 
game that's in pretty good shape. That's not too bad, but I had my kids with me, and they already were buying stuff. At least my son was. And Jill bought a t-shirt and stuff, uh, and then food and everything. And I was already, you know, heavily invested in the day. Not to mention the fee that it cost to rent the space. So I decided, nah, I don't really need to buy that. I'm kind of getting to the point where I've got pretty much all of the common games. It's getting harder to find games that I don't have. There are lots of them that I don't have, but they're the more expensive ones. So if I want to stick to my, I really only want to play these games for the show on you know original hardware, it's becoming more expensive to do that. If you guys have any ideas where I can get cheap, less common games, I'd be interested in hearing that. Of course, I check out eBay uh, on occasion, see what they got. I go to these shows and I look at what they got and stuff. So, But anyway, uh, QuadCon, getting back to QuadCon. They had a Ghostbusters car. That seems to be a standard uh, thing at all these events. It was though it was a Ghostbusters minivan, a white minivan with uh, the logo on it and everything, and some Ghostbusters walking around in costume, including a guy who came over and chatted with me a little bit, took some information about the podcast, said he'd check it out. Um, he was telling me about a podcast called uh, Three Doors to the Left or something, about conspiracy theories and serial killers and things. Not typically the thing, kind of thing I listen to, but I may check it out because it kind of ties into a thing that I'm going to be writing um, for my projects outside of the show. So that was fun. Like I said, I met some other nice people. Ghostbusters car. Uh, Henry actually picked up, first he just wanted a set of the multi-sided dice uh, from this guy who was selling a lot of really nice sets of multi-sided uh, dice. I talked him down from the $40 set of metal dice to get a probably overpriced but still nice set of uh, just the standard dice for 10 bucks. But then he wanted to go back because the guy had said he had a starter set for Dungeons and Dragons. And Henry wanted to go get that. So I tried to convince him that, yeah, eventually Dungeons and Dragons might be a good game for you because he's super creative and clever and whatnot. But he's only 10 and he has a tiny little attention span. So I have held off so far, but he wanted to get it. So we got it. But then I warned him, I was like, look, once you know what the rules are, uh, it can be really a fun thing to do. But you gotta really gotta know the rules first and know how the world of Dungeons & Dragons works because otherwise the game's not going to be fun. So he tried for a few minutes to sit with me as I was also trying to you know, work the crowd, so to speak, to uh, talk up the podcast and things. Uh, but he got kind of bored with looking over the rules and everything. Uh, but we'll set it on the shelf. We'll get it out again later. Um, what else? There were a number of authors... Other authors at the event selling their books, looking around, um, selling books at a, a convention like this is sort of a dicey thing. For this type of event, people are really there for the comics, and they're there for, uh, you know, to buy their collectibles and whatnot. Um, they're not necessarily there to buy books, but what they do do is stop and talk to the authors and get a sense of who the authors are and what they're what they write about and take information so and that's what they did for me that looked like that's what they were doing for the other authors uh and you know in the hopes that maybe they will buy stuff later so anyone who's listening to this that i just met at quadcon thanks for checking out the podcast uh thanks for stopping to talk to me people who do podcasts and sit in rooms by themselves talking to nobody do appreciate it when they can get out and hear that someone's actually listening so that's cool uh yeah so i had a good time i don't really have any other events scheduled this fall, unfortunately, uh, between other obligations and, uh, you know, vendor event events that my wife is doing for her own projects. 
that don't really are not really the you know good uh, venues for what I do. Uh, I'm not going to get out to any other conventions. I don't think this fall, unfortunately. Still trying to decide decide if I'm going to go to Midwest Gaming Classic in the spring. Um, I probably will, but uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on that yet. Um, still early. So any of you who are going to Midwest Gaming, uh, yeah, let me know. It's still early, but uh, never too early to start thinking about that. I guess. All right. Well, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to do this. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship, or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Four days ago, as I'm recording this, there's a post on Rocket Man the movie, the Twitter account. How exactly does the flat earth work? Mad Mike may have all the answers, but the growing pizza theory is the best we've heard. Thanks for the clip, Fox Business. And there's a link to rocketman.com where the documentary is. I don't know what that's about. No context for you, apparently. Okay, so I went ahead and followed the link. Looks like Rocketman... Rocketman. Looks like Mad Mike is being interviewed on the Fox Business channel? Alright, there's a video here. If you want to go check it out, rocketman.com. Uh, they have a link. It's actually a link to the Rocket. This is Rocket Man Twitter, or not Twitter, Instagram account. Let's talk about the Earth being frisbee shaped because I, I think there's something to this. I, I like frisbee. Frisbees make sense. Frisbees are still round, but they're not well, globes. And then there's an ice wall called Antarctica. How does it work? You know, as I tell everyone else, I do not have all the answers, of course, okay, which may surprise a lot of people out there. But I think it's kind of like a bullseye. I think there's land outside of these different circles and sure. we don't know how big the circles go does that make sense kind of like a, a pizza that just kind of keeps growing a pizza that kind of keeps growing all right well i think a lot of us would you know love to have a pizza that keeps growing but i'm not sure you can explain earth as a pizza that keeps growing I know that when I travel with my kids, it seems to take longer to get places than when it does by myself. Maybe in reality, it's just that the earth is getting bigger, so things are stretching out, and it it takes longer to get places. I don't know. Um, It occurs to me as I'm recording this and watching the the wave forms on the the, uh, audacity. I don't know if you could hear that or not. The reporter was asking, basically, how does this flat earth ice shelf thing work? And Mike gives her this rambling answer about, how, well, I'm not a scientist, and uh, but it seems to me there's probably land beyond the ice. And then he says that it's maybe it's like a pizza that keeps growing, because that's a thing, I guess. Um, the comments on the Instagram post sort of go far afield of um, how flat Earth is just as believable as God. Something about, uh, oh, and then I guess someone else is following up with that by saying, or... 9-11 was not the U.S. government hiding and getting rid of secrets, but hijackers. All right. So all kinds come out to uh, watch C- uh, CNBC or Fox News business channel, apparently. All righty. Well, what else is going on? The Mad Mike Hughes GoFundMe is sitting. No change there. I think I reported last week it was $160. Still is. No new donations, apparently, out of their $2.5 million goal. Meanwhile, the Flat Earth community rocket launch had exceeded its goal already when I talked to you last week 
Still at 7,956. I think that might have been the same amount they had last week. And nothing new on the Facebook page. So basically, is it just that they haven't gotten enough GoFundMe donations or something? Because we keep saying uh, they keep saying there's supposed to be another launch coming, but we never get a launch date. Meanwhile, those dragons out there on the edge of the earth are laughing their butts off. Come on, Americans. Come on, humans. We don't. Do we want the dragons to keep laughing? Do we want the dragons to win? I don't think so. Let's get it together. Let's forget all this impeach Trump nonsense and just get on to what's really important. Fighting dragons. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mac Hughes. Mad Mac Hughes. Alright, well we talked about QuadCon already, so let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Auto Racing. Crash. This one is a text-only label cartridge that I had that I paid a dollar for at some point and might have come out in 77 or 78 or, I don't know, 4,299,224,341. Beats the hell out of me. I don't know. Maybe uh, Weena gave it to the time traveler after they fought the Morlocks and and H.G. Wells brought it back to the present or something. I, I, I don't know when this game was made. It looks like it's probably one of the first or second wave games. Not positive. Because here's the thing. I'm not even entirely sure this game exists. Uh, I could find almost no mention of it on the internet. I couldn't even find a manual for it. It's like it's not even really there, even though I'm holding it in my hand. Uh, I did see a couple of mentions on the internet as basically just saying, yeah, this is a game. found really no information about it. I don't know when it was made. I didn't find anybody who reviewed it. Uh, it's just it, it's just uh, um, a, a figment of my imagination. Apparently, maybe I, I took too many uh, too much coffee, not enough coffee, too much heroin this week. I, I don't know, but we're gonna endeavor to talk about it anyway. So here's how you play it. I have a manual to tell you what to do. Uh, you're just gonna have to trust me on this. Um, you turn the game on. You hold your joystick with the button in the upper left hand corner. Because uh, we are using the joysticks for this one. There are two-player games uh, where you compete against each other, but of course I'm a podcaster with no friends, so I had to play by myself. So instead I played the one-player game where it's just you versus the clock. It's a countdown from 60 seconds to get around the track, which is not as easy as it sounds. Um, the cars look like your basic 1970s Atari cars. One's green, one's pink, I think. You're going around a very simple-looking track. I think the track is blue, there's brown you know, blocks around the edge, which I guess are supposed to be, is supposed to be dirt, or the grandstand, or fence, or something. And then there's a similarly colored thing in the middle of the track, which tells you that you gotta go around it. Although it's weird, because you can drive through it, but you can also crash into it. Uh, you drive along, you crash into it, you hear the crashing sound, and it's, you stop. But then if you keep going, you can just keep driving through it. And you're supposed to make a circle around the track. That's a race. There's no music, there's just an annoying thrum throughout the game that's, I guess, supposed to be the engine sounds. And yeah, I mean, you basically you keep going. I don't know for sure how many points you go to if you're playing against another person, because like I said, I'm all by myself. All by myself. I want to be all by myself, except when I'm playing auto racing. You know, and then the uh, in the race against the clock, there's no points. It's just, can you get it done before the clock 
counts down to zero, uh, which is not easy because the controls are difficult. Button is your gas. That's pretty simple, but you only have one speed. Speed, you have not moving and moving really fast. The joysticks, it feels weird to me for some reason. I think you pull down to go right and up to go left, and it's really, really hard to make a circle, which is a problem on a track where it's a circle. So I only played a little bit, to be honest, today, and I don't think I ever successfully completed an oval. I would kind of go partway through the oval, and then I would crash into the middle barrier and just kind of drive through it. So I'm on the other side of the track, and sort of this weird oblong shape was all the best I could do. It was very frustrating. I don't know for sure how many game options there are. I didn't keep hitting the select button to see what else there was. I kind of had the sense that I had the picture of what I was getting with auto racing. And I think I understood why it really hasn't been reviewed as far as I can tell on the internet. Because there's not a whole lot to say about this other than it's a garbage game. Which isn't fair. Uh, It came out in the 70s. I'm guessing, like I said, probably among the first Atari games. And it probably blew people's minds. Including, you know, Little Billy. I don't know if I ever played this one. I must have at some point when I was a kid. Certainly games like it. It, It's certainly in the family of combat and others like it. It's not as good, though, as like the Intellivision auto racing game. Which I thought maybe this was just a version of that. But it's not. It looks different. And the Intellivision one with the same name is more fun. So, yeah. I've kind of jumped ahead to the... So here's the thing about auto racing part of the show. I will be reading you no reviews today. Because, like I said, I couldn't find any. Um, I would be giving you no history from our friend Wikipedia and passing it off as my own knowledge. Because I couldn't find any. Basically, I found diddly about this game. So let's move on to the part where I actually play the game. Because that's about all I can do. After the break, we've held this game in our hand, played it on our console. Yet, it's not clear the game really exists. Where does this leave us? Is the game real? Is Atari real? Am I real? And if I'm not real, does that mean I don't have to pay that credit card bill? Sweet! So this dude named Morpheus just handed me a red pill and a blue pill. And he tried to tell me that the game as I know it, auto racing, does not actually exist. It is in fact a construction of some other intelligence. And I am merely a part of that construction. He said if I take the red pill, all will be revealed to me. He also said the red pill is good for sinus pressure. And this time of year with the fall leaves and the storms and things, uh, I could stand with little sinus relief. So I took it. And my nasal passages have never felt better. Let's see what else happens. All right, so I'm looking at auto racing. It's actually set on the two-player game right now. I'm going to switch it to game two, which is a one-player game. Because, as I've noted before, I'm a podcaster and I, therefore, have no friends. So I don't have anyone to play with me right now. Uh, So I'm going to go to game two, which is a one-player beat-the-clock kind of game. All right, well, let's do it. No music in these games, just that really annoying, what I guess is supposed to be tire sounds, you know, engine sounds. I am on the move. 
it's weird because you can crash into things, but you can also drive through the walls, out into the what I guess would be the stands. Pretty simplistic looking. These cars look like pretty much any 1970s race car game that Atari put out. Um, you get up a little speed. Red button makes you, uh, you know, it's the gas. The joystick feels, um, uh, the controls are not great, frankly. Um, you pull down to go right, I guess, and up to go left, but it's really, really hard to turn. You can, you can make your car move to the left or the right a little bit, but to make like a circle, which is what you need on a circle-shaped track, really, really difficult. I'm almost out of time. That was the end of my 60 seconds. The racetrack itself, I guess, is serviceable. Um, it's just a blue track with a brown barrier thing in the middle that, like I said, you can run into it, but then you can also drive through it. I have not yet successfully completed a lap around the track. So it's, I, I don't know, I guess by 1970s standard, it was blow your mind. Cool. By current standards, is just kind of somewhere below a meh. And with that encouraging note, back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about auto racing. Uh, I've already said it. It's garbage in the context of what we know of later games. Although, yeah, I'm going to revise that. I, th- I think it's maybe not garbage, but I think it's not even great compared to that first bunch of games because the controls are really frustrating. If it was a simple looking design on a screen where you went around in a circle against another player or, you know, against the clock, like the Intellivision Auto Racing game, which had to have come out around the same time, it'd be fine. It'd actually be kind of fun. But this is frustrating because you can't, you can't maneuver. There's virtually no maneuverability with this car. And you're crashing into things, which would be fine, actually, if it, you know, changed the, if you had to change your strategy or something, because you crashed and it, it, you bounced off the barricade or something, but you don't, you, you can just keep going. And in fact, you don't have any choice because going in a straight line or a very, very wide oval is about all you can do. So yeah, I, I don't like this game. I think even by the standards of other games around it, combat came out around the same time and it's a much better game or collection of games, I guess, than this thing. So this 99 cent game that I bought will probably go on a shelf and I will not feel that I you know, paid too little uh, for what I get. Uh, if anything, I paid too much. So that's what I got to say about that. It's story time on Atari.
Story Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story is titled Auto Racing, and it comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner. In line at the grocery store, or commuting in an Uber car, or some other routine chore, when your mind does wander far, that feeling when you're not quite there, mentally on the way to the next place, not feeling happy or sad where you are, just another rat joining in the race. Otto Racine, Jr. the second, his paternity is quite complicated, feels being in the moment is overrated. The next thing to happen beckons. It's a feeling that exists all the time. As a kid, Otto Racine was called Otto Racing. Out of his high chair he did climb, in trike races beat every kid he was facing. Skipped training wheels, went right to bikes, couldn't sit still, didn't want to try, always parted the trees for others on hikes. Skin knees were no bother, no time to cry. A lead-footed driver he was for sure, from A to B a straight line will do. If he could just get there, that'd be the cure, but only at top speed could you go through. Legs bounce under tables, fingers drum up above. Leave the room, he's not able, as much as his brain might give him a shove. Always smart and clever, but could never focus. The thoughts swirl like toilet water. Normal chit-chat is a bunch of hocus-pocus. Not cold-hearted, but people are a bother. Auto racing's not shy, not really, you know. Just a bit isolated and aloof, it's fair to say. So much to think about, places for thoughts to go. A bit tired, he is, of his brain getting in its way. Getting in its... Strike that. A bit tired, he is, of his brain getting its way. As a kid, Auto Racing's bike moved so fast. His life, it did too. No time to look at the past. There's too much to do. And that's our show, such as it is. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin McLeod and CompTech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcasters, which you have discovered already. But make sure you race over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review so that Apple automatically zooms past potential listeners like muffler-free cars calling attention to itself on summer nights with the windows down and bad music blaring. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Also, remember, you can call and leave me a voicemail at 563-265-1978. Don't worry. You won't have to talk to me. Uh, because, no offense, but I'm not going to answer when you call. It's always going to go to voicemail. Leave your message. Tell me uh, why I'm a dummy, because I don't know anything about auto racing. Tell me about conventions you've been to. Tell me that I met you at a convention already. You know, Tell me anything you want, and I will probably play it on the show. Check out the new website www.carnivalofgleecreations.com for information and links about this show, social media, my other podcast, uh, books that I've written, including In the Saint Nick of Time. We're creeping up, creeping up on the holiday season, by the way, so you might consider picking that book up for yourself or, you know, makes a lovely gift for friends and family. But you can find out about all that stuff all in one place at carnivalofgleecreations.com. Please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. 
there are new patron tiers over there that we didn't have before. You can get bonus episodes. You can up get regular episodes early. Because uh, if you can't wait to hear my voice from week to week, you might get to hear it a little bit early. How cool is that? You can also still pick up shirts and mugs. Go play some old games they've missed you. Stuff over there in the AB underscore pod underscore store on Zazzle.com. I swear, as I say every week, that eventually that's going to get updated. Uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Hey, speaking of the Patreon, we've got a new patron. And we've still got Michael Tyler and G-Ray Defender. You guys are awesome. But this week, we picked up a new patron. Jose Cazeta has joined the family of Patreon donors. So thank you very much, Jose. Welcome to the family. It was easy for him. You guys can do it too. Hey, hey, do you love Snoopy? Yes, yes you do. And you definitely know people who do. Every month on the podcast, it's a podcast, Charlie Brown. I talked about Snoopy and Charlie Brown and all the rest. I talked about the Peanuts comic strip. I talked about the TV specials, the movies, the merchandise, the mind of Charles Schultz himself. Stuff related to the Peanuts universe. Movies and books and games and all sorts of things that have been inspired by Peanuts. I've had authors on the show. I've had playwrights. I've had graphic novelists. Um, I even recently had Brad Keston, who did the voice of Charlie Brown in a bunch of Peanuts TV specials in the 80s. We do all sorts of fun things over there. Uh, So if you're even a casual Peanuts fan, you will find something on that show that you enjoy. Uh, Check out the episodes of It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, that drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes, Journey Escape. I guess it could have something to do with trying to get away from a performance of the band Journey, but it probably doesn't. So we'll find out next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.